It's Romans 11:33 through 12:2. Those of you who are uh, visiting with us or new with us today, I don't have one here with me to show you, but it should be in the pew in front of you is a little card uh, called a Connect card. If you would fill that out, and, and after the message, if you'll just put that in the plate, uh, we'll get a little information from you. All righty, here we go. 33, chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, good morning. I'm going to use that, this mic today because I'm smart like that and forgot my microphone that I usually wear. And uh, that's all right. I like a good challenge every now and then. I'm going to see if I can stand still and uh, preach this message to you. So it'll be good for me. Uh, we're in the midst of a series called Keys to Freedom. And this is uh, it's based on a study by, that was put out by Mercy Multiplied. If you're not familiar with Mercy Multiplied, uh, they're an organization that's now global but started here in our community. Uh, there's a, still a home, a Mercy home here in our community. And they take, uh, their, their focus for the last 30 plus years has been to uh, help girls who are between the age of 13 and I believe it's 28 uh, who are facing life-controlling issues. Uh, many of them are facing eating disorders or addictions or they're uh, self-harming or different things like that. And they come to Mercy looking for help in kind of a last-ditch effort. And they come for free, free of charge. The program usually lasts about six months. And they're immersed in a set of principles that are centered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through this, they find transformation in their lives. And the success rate at Mercy uh, blows away most of the typical rehab centers and things like that that you find around. And they do this by relying not on their wisdom, uh, but on the power of God. And they figured out over time that there was a whole bunch of people they couldn't help that didn't fit that age group of 13 to 28 uh, women. And so they started thinking, how could we reach out? And so they created, uh, rebranded themselves as Mercy Multiplied, and they created a study that uses those principles. And they found also along the way that this helps anyone, not just people who are dealing with those intense life-controlling issues, but anyone trying to make progress as a disciple of Jesus. And so we have these principles, and we're walking through this study together, Keys to Freedom. And last week we talked about a commitment to Christ being the first and central aspect of this whole 
program, this whole set of principles. Uh, this is not a seven step or 12 step kind of program. Uh, this is just a set of principles that when you use them, you will find that you're not uh, perfect, but you can be equipped. So the goal here is not to spend seven weeks uh, looking at these seven principles and then we'll come out you know, pristine and sparkling at the end of it. The goal is to engage with these principles, to practice using them over a course of seven weeks so that we can continually use the truths of the gospel in our lives uh, to grow closer to God, to uh, come closer to what he envisions for our life when he created us, uh, the, the life that he had destined for us from the dawn of creation, uh, a life free from the grip of sin and also free from the grip of legalism, a life that's transformed from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what this is about. It also will equip you for helping others, I believe. If you can internalize these principles, learn to use them in your own life, you'll be able to help others along life's journey as well. And so here we are in the second principle today. The first one was committing to Christ. The second one is renewing your mind. And I would suggest that probably second only to that commitment to Christ, this is, stands at the core of this whole concept of be, being a disciple of Jesus, figuring out what it means to, to have our life transformed to look more like his life on a regular basis. We believe that Jesus didn't, wasn't just a good teacher, wasn't just a guy who uh, loved deeply and died for us and, and rose from the dead. We believe that he lived the life the life that God is offering to all of us, the truly human life, what it really means to be human. Not all this broken stuff that comes from living in a fallen and broken world that's so enamored with ourselves and pleasure and power, but a life lived from a place of love for God and love for others. And if we're going to engage with that life, we're going to have to be renewed. Renewing things is something that's popular these days. Um, if you turn on HGTV, they love to take old homes, right, and, and renew them. And they make it look like such a glamorous process. Um, but it's not, is it, <laughs> if you've ever done it. Um, I bought a car once, and it's sitting out there in the parking lot. It's, the, it's a beauty, isn't she? It's my old Jeep Cherokee. And I had one of these a long time ago when I was in college, and... It's got a nice, reliable engine with a very low mile-per-gallon rating. Uh, <laughs> but for, I guess, partly sentimental reasons and partly just because I believe it has a pretty solid engine, I thought, well, I'll just get this thing and see how long it'll last me. And when I got it, it needed some love and some care. <laughs> the, uh, the back bumper was dented in. The, the headliner, the, that fabric that's on the top of the ceiling, had been falling down for who knows how long and the previous owners had been tacking it back up with thumbtacks <laughs> so that it, so they could see out the windshield you know I mean it was just <laughs> uh, the dash had a big hole in it the, the, the you know the dash up there I thought well maybe it was just from Sun no apparently the uh, the owner's child got mad one day and slammed his fist on it <laughs> and left a big hole in the dash uh, Good grief. They also had a lot of dogs, or a really big dog, one or the other, that lived in this Jeep. 
and it smelled like it and it looked like it. And some renewing had to happen, <laughs> quite a bit of renewing. A new headliner had to be installed, a bumper had to be replaced, uh, a dash had to be replaced. Thank goodness for the you pull it place uh, south of town where you could just go and pull stuff that you know someone didn't slam a fist into and put it on your car. Uh, so it took a lot of renewing. The thing is, when I bought this Jeep, everything that needed renewing was abundantly apparent. I mean, it was glaringly obvious. I'm not sure that it was for the people that owned it before me. Have you ever noticed how that goes? Like, if, if it's your car, like, say you're the only owner of this car. I'm sorry, I can't wonder. I'll stay. <laughs> say you're the only owner of your car for 20 years. Probably in 20 years, there's going to be some stuff wrong with it. It may have a weird smell that you didn't notice coming on because it just kind of came on slow. It may have some, like, you know, holes and rips and things that, you know, they've just been there as long as you can remember. And so you don't even see them anymore, right? This is what happens. And then we sell our car to someone and we're like, oh, this car's in great condition. And they're like, no, it's not. And, uh, and eventually you figure out if you're going to sell this thing, you're going to have to bring your price down because they're going to have to do some work. Uh, so a lot of times we run into this in our own lives because we've been the only owner since we started and and so we we have issues but we're not used to seeing them we believe lies that we're not even recognizing our lies we we engage in old patterns of thought and behavior that have just been there so long they're automatic And so sometimes we need fresh eyes. When we give our lives to Christ, you betcha he's got fresh eyes to see what's going on. And he wants to work with you to renew your Jeep, the Jeep of your life. <laughs> now the other thing I think sometimes happens in Christian circles is when people come to Christ, and this is partly the problem with the way that we tend to present Christ to people is they think, well, what's involved with me coming to Jesus is I sign over the title to him. And then it's his problem, right? <laughs> like, I'm going to sign this title over to you. Now this Jeep is yours, God, so you just do what you want with it. I'm just going to sit here and wait till I get to heaven. But that's not the way it works. And when you sign your title over to him, he says, okay, fine. You're going to keep driving it. You're going to keep maintaining it but it's mine and you need to start working on this this and this and I'm gonna provide you with every resource that you need I'll give you any training you need I'll point you to the right YouTube video so you can replace that thing you had no idea where to even find <laughs> you know, I'm gonna provide you with what you need to get this job done but you're gonna to have to put some elbow grease into this thing and as long as you're in this life you're going you're to have work to do. Because when you come to Christ, whether you come little bitty or older and down the road, you've got patterns of thinking that are not grounded in his truth. And not only that, the world bombards us with lies every single day. And if we're not constantly being grounded in God's truth, and figuring out how to live that out in our lives, how to correct the thoughts that we have, uh, you know, bought in, where we've bought into lies. If we don't, if we don't 
figure that out with God on a regular basis, then we will not be a life transformed. We will not be living as a disciple of Jesus. And we'll never know the freedom that he has for us. So let's turn our attention to Romans 12 with this one final reminder that everything we talk about in this series is not about fixing your behavior at the behavioral level. Freedom is not found by behaving different or following a new set of rules. Freedom is found by becoming someone different, by learning to feel different and think different. And this is something that the Holy Spirit does in us by God's power, but we partner with him in the process. So Romans 12, 1 through 2 is a little bit of a famous passage amongst Christians. Uh, it follows directly on the hills of some really intense stuff we've been studying on Wednesday nights. If you've come on Wednesday nights, uh, anytime when we've been studying the book of Romans, um, probably you came on a night when it was heavy and a little hard to follow. It's an intense letter written from the Apostle Paul. And when I say intense, I mean intellectually intense. It's hard to follow his train of thoughts sometimes. And he's dealing with, uh, with things that they were dealing with at their time, and so we have to try and wrap our minds around that. But he was writing to a letter to a church in Rome, which was the capital city it was where Caesar had his home. writing to this church that was made up of both Romans and Jewish people as well. And it appears that they didn't get along, which there weren't many Romans that liked Jews and there weren't many Jews that liked Romans to start with. And we know how a lot of times when we come to Christ, uh, all of our old feelings about things and our old thoughts about things and the things that we believe about the world don't just fall away and get replaced with Christ's wisdom. That takes time. That's what this message and this verse is about. And so Paul writes to this church that's a church divided in many ways. The Roman Christians seem to be at odds with the Jewish Christians. The Jewish Christians seem to be at odds with the Roman Christians. And Paul writes this letter where he, he begins by just saying, look guys, in the first few chapters, he's like, you're all in bad shape. You all start on equal ground and you all come to Christ in the same way by faith. And you're all reconciled to God in the same way by faith. And you're all part of God's family in the same way by faith. Because it's not about blood lineage anymore. And then he spends this few chapters, 9, 10, and 11, where he talks specifically about Israel and his hopes for Israel and how his heart breaks for Israel who has largely rejected Jesus as their Messiah at this point. And he says, I still believe that God's going to work all this out to where both the Gentiles who are being grafted into the family and, and the Israelites who were meant to be a part of the family will all be reconciled and joined together in one awesome people of God living as God intended them to live. And, and so he ends that passage with what we began reading today about how incredible are the thoughts of God and how his plans are, are so far beyond our understanding and who can even begin to know his mind and just he's worshiping God. And from there he changes gears and he says, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, he just got done saying, who can know the mind of God? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We may never fully know the mind of God on this side of heaven, and on this side of Christ's return. But we can know God's will in our lives. We can see God's will in our world. We can at least catch glimpses of it as our minds are renewed and our lives are transformed. And so Paul writes this to people who were clearly believing some lies, who were clearly conforming to the pattern of the world. This is a good reminder for us today because unity is still an issue, right, in our world today. We live in a divided world that it's more apparent than ever. We mentioned the Kavanaugh hearings, just <laughs> Marlon mentioned them a few minutes ago. I've been amazed as I've got friends or people I can, you know, I see stuff from that fall on both sides of the political aisle, you know, and it, it's become obvious to me that we're living in two separate universes, that people can watch the same thing happening and experience it completely differently from their perspectives. It's been amazing to watch. And, and this is thrust in front of our attention on a daily basis. And many of us have, have, you know, if you check the news at all, you are well aware that we live in a divided world. And there's a lot of divisions. We're divided over gender. We're divided over race. We're divided over politics, for goodness sakes, for sure. We're divided over religion. Christians divide over theology. The Roman church was divided. The Gentile, non-Jewish Christians and the Jewish Christians. Even as they faced persecution for their faith, it still didn't bring them together as it should. As you would expect. So Paul writes, do not be conformed. Do, do not conform to the patterns of this world, of this present age. The Apostle Paul, like most, like most Jews of his days, saw the world in two separate ages. The present age and the age to come. And that in some sense they overlap a little bit. From the time of Jesus, uh, the age to come has begun to take root in the world and in our lives. And someday it will come in full and the, this present age that has been marred by sin and death will eventually cease to exist. But right now, they exist alongside each other. And so for Christians, we need this reminder. Don't conform to the pattern of this age, of this present world. The world as it stands now. Don't buy all the division. Don't buy all the lies. Because there's a lot of them out there. Stay grounded in God's truth. 
Think about it. What people believe in our society to be true today, they didn't believe to be true a few decades ago. And they probably will have a different set of truth in a few more decades. But there's a truth that when heaven and earth pass away and a new heaven and earth are established, will still exist. And that's God's truth. The God who transcends time and space and matter. His truth. The one who designed things and decided how they would work. His truth will stand fast. No matter what the society believes today to be true. That belief is temporary. You can track it over history. So be grounded in his word. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind instead of trying to conform to the pattern of this world. And it's a lot less stressful than trying to keep up with the latest truth, I tell you. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with. Especially nowadays and technology the way it is. It's changing all the time. What you could say yesterday, you better not say tomorrow. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what God's will is. Nancy Alcorn, who's the founder of Mercy, wrote, Everything about our lives starts in the thought life. That our thoughts become words, and our words become actions, and actions create the life you are currently living. And it all starts in our thought life. I'm convinced that most people who do truly evil things in this world, at one point, that thing started as a thought. And the world would be a better place if they would have cast that thought aside instead of dwelling on it. Everything about your life, all the, the behaviors that you manifest, it all started at some point with your thought life and what you believe to be true. And when we come to Christ, this renewing of our mind begins automatically because we say we believe Jesus is Lord. And we believe that God created and we believe that he has a plan and a way and a purpose. And just believing that begins a process of renewing our minds. But it doesn't finish the process. We must learn to take control of our lives by God's power. By our, of our thoughts by God's power. Not everyone believes that they can control their thoughts. It be, it's become evident in popular culture wisdom these days that many people believe that you don't have control over what you think or what you feel. And if you feel and think a certain way, then that's just who you are and who you're meant to be. Scripture, on the other hand, says there are thoughts that you need to take captive and submit them to the authority of God. There are thoughts that are so well-worn in your mind that you don't even have to try to think them anymore. But they're wrong, and they're lies. And so you need to recognize them, and then root them out and replace them with 
truth. And this is a difficult process. And it's not something that happens in the blink of an eye. But it does happen. The problem, for one thing, is that many of us, we prefer God to save our souls, but leave us our opinions. We like the idea of Jesus dying on the cross for us and saving us from hell. But then he wants to start messing with our opinions and our thoughts about things. And we already think we're right about stuff, right? And it takes humility to say, maybe I was wrong about some things. And we'd just assume God leave that stuff alone and just save our souls. But you'll never be free. You'll never be free as long as you are believing and holding on to the lies. So our task, if you fill out your note card, you can, is to replace the lies that bind you with the truths that free you. Replace the lies that bind you with the truths that free you. I'm going to try and give you an example. A guy named Steve struggles with lust issues like many men do. He says things to himself that are popular wisdom in our day and age, like, this is normal for guys. Or, you know, pornography is a healthy outlet for those feelings because it doesn't affect anyone but me. And these thought patterns get ingrained in him. And every time that he engages in lustful thinking, uh, it sets off dopamine in his brain just like an addiction to substances does. And so those patterns get more and more entrenched and dug deeper in his heart and mind. Well, one day Steve commits his life to Christ. And he begins to be exposed to truth. Truth that it shines a light on the lies that he's been believing. And he begins to recognize what it's doing and how it's warping him on the inside. And how it's ruining his ability to have healthy relationships. And so he recognizes the truth, but those old patterns of thinking are still there even as he understands that it's wrong. And so it's, it's killing him. He wants to do what's right. But old habits die hard. So Steve takes action. It's hard work. But he goes on high alert. And every time a thought that comes into his mind that shouldn't, he begins to pray. He begins to take control in that moment of his thought life. And as he tries to do this, his emotions and his feelings just rebel in opposition because they've been used to having their way every day. It turns out it's a lot harder than he was expecting. 
Then a friend, a friend in Christ who had faced the same struggle, told Steve about a, a passage of scripture that really made a difference for him. Psalm 101. And so he began to read, read in Psalm 101. And it was so good that he, I mean, he wanted to be able to carry that with him wherever he went. So he thought he should memorize it, but it, it was a lot to kind of memorize. And so he wrote down some of the main lines that caught his attention, like, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. And another one that said, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. And another that says, a perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. And he began to commit these to memory. And he began to think on them. And then every time those old thoughts reared their head, he would say those verses back. As long as he had to. Until it passed. And over time it got a lot easier. And eventually it was something where, yeah, he had to be aware at all times. But he was finally living in a freedom that he never dreamed possible. His mind had been renewed in that aspect. Now, no doubt, Steve's got to move on to other stuff. Other things that God's going to point out in his, his life that he's been uh, buying that maybe aren't even true at all. And maybe for you, uh, the issue is the same as Steve's, or maybe it's different. What are some of the lies that you've been believing? I'm going to riddle some off that maybe strike somewhere close for you, or maybe not. Maybe this will just be something to spark your thinking as you explore. What are, what are the lies that I've been believing that are keeping me back from what God has planned for me? Maybe you say, well, it's not that big of a deal. It helps me get through the day, whatever it is. Depression is just part of who I am. I'm just a melancholy personality. With the way I look, nobody could love me. Given what happened to me in the past, I'm damaged goods. And you say, well, girls want to be treated that way. Maybe you say, I have to be better than everyone else. Second place is the first loser, right? all our competitive people that winning matters more than how you play the game maybe it's just the idea that sex should be confined to marriage and you believe that's outdated and unrealistic or maybe you deal with labels that people have put on you in your life maybe teachers in school or doctors have labeled you with a mental illness or a learning disability or something that was meant to help you but has become something that hangs over your head and defines you at this point. But it's not how God would define you. And so we need to replace lies that we've been telling ourselves with the truth. Jesus once said that if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free.
Those are the words in the song we're learning too, taken straight from there. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But you have to know the truth for the truth to set you free. You have to know the truth and so you're going to need to engage in prayer and you're going to need to engage with God's word. You're going to need to seek out passages of scripture that speak truth to the lies that you've been believing. You're going to need to work them into your memory and into your thoughts. It can feel kind of daunting if you don't have the Bible memorized. Anyone have the Bible memorized? No, just me? No, I'm not even close. It can be kind of daunting to think what scripture would be perfect for this issue that I'm dealing with in my life where I need to renew my mind. What scripture would be right? And it's hard, it's hard to know, but good news for you. It's unlike days of old where you just have to start flipping through and putting your finger down. There's all kinds of resources for you to help, help you find stuff. And you can even, if you've got the YouVersion app or if you can get on a computer and go to Bible.com, you can search topically. And they've even got like faces now. If you're not even sure what to call the way you feel, you can just look for the, uh, for the face that looks like what you feel and touch it. And it's going to come up with verses that apply to the way you feel, all right? So, uh, really, it doesn't get much easier. And, you know, a caveman can do it. Look for scripture passages that speak into the issues that you're dealing with, the areas where your mind needs to be renewed, and begin to memorize them and meditate on them. If you worked through the Mercy Study Guide this week, you probably ran across these three words. Summarize, personalize, and then vocalize. Summarize, personalize, vocalize. So if you have a long passage, or even a short one that is not the way that you would necessarily normally say it, rewrite it in the way that makes the most sense to you or is the easiest for you to memorize. Don't change anything about the truth of it. Personalize it. Like if you need to throw in an I or a me or something to make it hit home for you. And vocalize it. So that that truth gets ingrained in your heart. And in your mind. And your mind begins to be transformed. Like with Steve where he took Psalm 101. It was this huge passage. And he picked some lines from it that summarized the major theme. And he wrote those down, and it was already personalized for him because it was written in the first person. And, and he began to memorize those parts of that passage and then to internalize. They say it helps if you vocalize it. You're probably going to want to be alone for that one. It might scare some people. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe you should, if it's good enough, you know, don't get all passive aggressive with this and start vocalizing the scriptures that someone else needs to hear. It's about renewing your mind. Once upon a time, the Son of God 
came on earth. The word became flesh. The truth became flesh. And somewhere around his 30th year of life, he entered ministry. He entered the public eye for the first time. And right at the onset of that, he walked out into the wilderness with no food or drink. Just him and God in the wilderness. And someone else showed up. Satan showed up. And began to hit him with every temptation that he would face from that moment to the cross. And every time, Satan would try to twist the truth because that's what he does. He takes something that sounds like truth and he twists it. He perverts it. And every time he tried to do that, Jesus responded, It is written. There's even a theme song that went with it. It was amazing. They didn't have technology back then, but he was Jesus, so he could do it. Every time that the devil would try to plant a lie and a temptation in his heart, he said, it is written, and he quoted God's truth. Now, if the Son of God needed to spend time memorizing God's word, which is something that all Jewish kids did back then, they didn't have Bibles like we do now. But if he needed to spend time memorizing God's word, and if it came in handy for him when he was walking around in the flesh, then surely we who are walking around in our flesh, and even though we have the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, we too need that truth to be able to call upon if we're going to renew our minds. So, the first thing you're going to need to do, just to recap as we close this, is you're going to need to recognize the lies going on in your mind. The areas of your life that are being conformed to the patterns of thinking of this world. You're going to need to recognize those and then you're going to need to discover God's truth that needs to be placed in that lie's place. And you're going to need to internalize it, memorize it, meditate on it, think on it so that it's at the front of your mind so that when those old patterns of thoughts come back again, you can say, what? Do you know? It is written. Everybody say it. It is written. Say it like you mean it. Like the devil's staring at you and you're like, no, I got this devil. Say it like you mean it. It is written. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all good people. Replace the lies that bind you with the truths that free you. Renew your mind. This is not a process, again, where in a few weeks you're going to be perfect. But when you get this process down, you're going to be able to use it again and again and again. And increasingly, you're going to find freedom in Christ as you say farewell to lies that had you bound. And you say hello to truth that sets you free.
Let's pray together. Jesus, turn our attention to the truth. Uh, we've got thought patterns that we travel down that are not grounded in truth, but in the opinions and the whims of this world and in our own passions and pleasures and pursuits. And so, Holy Spirit, we need a renewing from your spirit, from you. We need a transformation within our spirits and in our minds. So we ask, Lord, that you'd spark within us a determination and a faith that will face down the lies with a bold dedication to the truth that sets us free. Turn our attention, Lord, to Jesus so that the things that this world believe will fade away. We pray this in his name. Amen.